Well, good morning and welcome again to St. Paul's. My name is Tyler. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you're here or joining us online. And an especially warm welcome to you if you're new. While we remain standing, I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we pray that you grace us with the presence of your Spirit so that we would have ears to hear your word and eyes to see the face of your Son, Jesus in whose name we ask this and all things. Amen. Please be seated. So if you were around in the 1990s, objectively the best decade, you might remember a lucrative subgenre of movies. They all went like this. First, they starred Jim Carrey. Second, something totally improbable happens to Jim Carrey. Third, Jim Carrey spends two hours making goofy faces about it. In the 1997 film, Liar, Liar, he plays Fletcher Reed, an attorney and pathological liar. But when his son's birthday wish magically comes true, Fletcher is unable to lie for 24 hours. And since he lies for a living, he finds himself basically unable to speak in court, try as he might to make the words come out. Without lies, it turns out, he has nothing at all to say. The fact that Liar Liar even exists tells us something about how we think about lying compared to the other commandments, because we wouldn't laugh the same way if Fletcher was a pathological murderer or adulterer, would we? His kids makes a birthday wish that dad will just stop killing people for 24 hours. That's not a comedy. But lying, sure, it's not great. But everybody lies, right? People lie all the time. We're nearly done with our summer preaching series on the Ten Commandments, and today we're looking at the Ninth Commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. On a technical level, the Ninth Commandment prohibits or requires honest legal testimony. But as we'll see, it's about much more than that. It's about the life and death stakes of the truth. The Ten Commandments are the foundation of the law that God gave to God's people, the Israelites, after God freed them from slavery in Egypt thousands of years before. There are Ten Commandments, or Ten Words, that give God's people the life that God intended for them, a life characterized by the love of God, which the first four commandments deal with, and love of neighbor, which the latter six deal with. In its most technical sense, the Ninth Commandment is a prohibition of perjury, of lying in a court of law. It was given in an era that mostly lacked forensic evidence and in a culture where many crimes carried the death penalty. So you can imagine why honest legal witnesses were critically important because false testimony could literally end someone's life, which is in fact why Jewish law wouldn't convict based on the testimony of just one witness. We just heard read in the trial of Jesus. They kept looking for two witnesses, false witnesses, and at the end, it was the word of two false witnesses that said, that brought about the, the charge of death, the verdict of death. Now, perjury might seem like an oddly specific law to make the top 10, like courtroom behaviors right up there with murder and adultery, but it makes sense if you think about it like this. Do not murder. My neighbor has a life that's not mine to take. Do not commit adultery. My neighbor has a spouse that's not mine to take. Do not steal. My neighbor has property that's not mine to take. And do not bear false witness, well, 
The truth about my neighbor is not mine to take. To bear false witness about my neighbor, whether I'm talking in court or gossiping in the pews, it's taking their truth from them, destroying their reputation, their place in the community, and maybe with material consequences, like loss of a lie that leads to punishment, or a loss of livelihood, or even the loss of life. There's a reason that the Ninth Commandment is framed around perjury in a legal system that killed people, because it shows the ultimate stakes of stealing our neighbor's truth. And when you think about the Ninth Commandment in context, that's what it's about. The way a lie can destroy people. The Ninth Commandment is about the lie that kills. The lie that kills is exactly what we're seeing in Psalm 10, which we heard read this morning. Psalm 10 is a lament at what the ungodly seem to get away with. It's as timely today as it was when it was written. Read the newspaper alongside Psalm 10, and the connections are going to make themselves. Now, the Ninth Commandment isn't named in Psalm 10, but it's there if you know what you're looking for, But because what we see there is a depiction of the ungodly who prey on the poor and the vulnerable. Psalm 10 is about people who are indifferent to the truth and who weaponize their own lies to exploit the weak. Verse 7 says, their mouths are full of cursing, deceit, and fraud, whether that's lying in court or the fine print on a predatory payday loan or that call from the CRA or Amazon's business department targeting the elderly and immigrants. Psalm 10 is about people who use lies to steal and destroy. And we're looking at it today because it explains what happens on a spiritual level when we bear false witness. Let me tell you what I mean. At several points throughout the psalm, the author gives us a window into the thoughts of the ungodly. The author tells us what the ungodly think about themselves, and I quote, the wicked have said in their heart, I shall never be cast down, no harm shall happen to me. And the author tells us what the ungodly think about God, and I quote, God has forgotten. He hides away his face. He'll never see it. And you, O God, do not care. Well, what does this tell us about what's going on spiritually when we bear false witness? It tells us that every lie is multidimensional. Every lie cuts in several different directions at once. Because whenever we lie about our neighbor, we're simultaneously telling at least two other lies. First, we're lying to ourselves about the consequences of bearing false witness. I'll never be cast down. No harm will happen to me. I'm not going to get caught. It's not that bad. And second, we're lying to God and about God. God has forgotten. God doesn't care. God's not going to see. The untruth of every lie cuts in at least three directions. Whenever we lie, we are stealing the truth, but not just from the person we're lying about, to the person we're lying to, from our community, from ourselves, and from God. And when we think about the ninth commandment like this, we're all implicated, aren't we? Even if we've never perjured ourselves in court, I bet most of us here haven't. Because every person in this room has lied at one time or another for their own gain whether that's monetary or interpersonal or professional or just to stay out of trouble or the lie of gossip. Churches are the worst at gossip. And I bet that a number of us have even made a habit of lying because a lie is a really easy exit 
whenever the truth gets too costly or inconvenient or painful. And not all lies are perjury, to be sure, but every lie, no matter how small, is going to sacrifice the truth on the altar of our own self-interest. And a life with silly putty facts molded to suit our preferences is not the life that God envisions for God's people. The community of God is supposed to be a community of truth. Now, over the course of the summer, we've been exploring the abundant life of the commandments by asking, what would it look like if we didn't think of the Ten Commandments just as rules to be followed and obeyed, although that's important, but also as possibilities to be fulfilled? And one way to imagine the fulfillment of a commandment is to consider the opposite of what it prohibits. So the opposite of adultery isn't not cheating. The opposite of adultery is loving fidelity. And that's the positive vision embedded in the commandment against adultery, a community of integrity and faithfulness. So what would it look like to fulfill the ninth commandment? Well, what's the opposite of bearing false witness? False witness, right, is the lie that kills. So it's dead simple. The opposite of the lie that kills is the truth that gives life. The opposite of the untruth that tears down is the truth that builds up. We've mentioned throughout this series that Jesus came to fulfill the law, to fulfill the commandments. He doesn't just obey them, he shows their full purpose. And that's abundantly true with the ninth commandment. In the Gospels, we see the fundamental cosmic conflict between truth and falsehood stripped down to the bone. Because remember that every word of false witness goes in at least three directions. The lie itself, the untruth about the liar, and the untruth about God. The core question of the gospel is whether or not we want the truth or we want a lie. The truth about the world, ourselves, and God, or a lie. And this is nothing less than the choice between good and evil. The reason the Lord Jesus came, Scripture tells us, was to destroy the works of the devil, 1 John 3, 8. And the devil, Jesus said, doesn't stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's the world that the devil wants, a world where what's true and what's real and what's good, none of that matters. All that matters is what a person wants, and the reality that they can conjure with their false words. It's the world we see in Psalm 10, where there's a direct line between lying and life-taking. The Lord tells us that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. The devil specializes in lies that bring death. But Jesus comes as the living truth. Jesus is the truth that gives life, and he tells the truth that gives life. His truth is good news because he tells us the truth about who God is. He tells us that God isn't an absent judge, that what the psalmist despairs of as absence is actually just the unfathomable mercy of God's patience, but that a judgment is coming upon all false witness and everything that destroys life. And Jesus tells us the truth about who we are, the good news that we have all gone astray from the truth, but that God in God's mercy calls us home, that God loves us and hasn't given up on us, that those who live in truth will be spared from the judgment on this deceitful and murderous world. 
If you continue in my word, Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's the opposite of the false witness, the lie that kills. It's the truth that gives life, the truth that sets you free. Truth will set you free. Sounds good, doesn't it? No more of that prison of false witness. No more of those lies that bring death. Somebody here knows what I'm talking about. Because here's the thing. If we're honest, we'll all admit that we have told lies. And a quick aside, Christians shouldn't lie. Period, the end, full stop. First off, it saves you a lot of energy. As the author Mark Twain quipped, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. But deciding not to lie under any circumstances is in fact one of the most basic and yet transformative spiritual practices a Christian can take because it puts you right with the truth. You'll change the way you act if you know you can't lie to get away with it. It's about believing that the truth is named Jesus and knowing that untruth has no place in his followers' mouths. So don't lie, not ever. End of aside. But living in the freedom of the truth isn't just about not telling lies. Fundamentally, the truth gives life by setting us free from all the false witness that has been born against us. I'm not talking about being lied about in traffic court here. I'm talking about the false witness that's been made against every person in this room on a fundamental level. The false witnesses whose accusations are carried by every single person in this room every moment of every day. I'm talking about the false witnesses that have lied to you maybe your whole life about who you are. The false witnesses that have been weighing on and tearing you down maybe since you were a kid. False witnesses like you're bad. Lies like you're stupid. You're ugly. You're weak. You're too big or too small, too fat or too skinny. Too loud or quiet. Your skin's wrong. Your hair's wrong. Your eyes are wrong. Your name, your culture, your food, your voice is wrong. False witnesses like your body's wrong, your brain's wrong, your love's wrong, your sex is wrong, that you're the wrong kind of man, the wrong kind of woman, that you're too much, that you're nothing more than your addiction or your diagnosis. False witnesses like your salary or your title is what you're worth, or your neighborhood, your car, your clothes are what you're worth that you're embarrassing, that you're a disappointment, that what you've done is unforgivable, that you deserved it, that you don't matter, that you don't deserve to be loved, and that God could never love someone like you. Anybody here ever heard any of these? They are false witnesses. They are lies meant to kill you. They are drops of poison from the devil's mouth. And I name them here only to scatter them like cockroaches in front of the light. 
because the judge of heaven dismisses these lies as perjury. And the name and the blood of Jesus declares that they have no authority over you. And I want you to claim right now, in the power of the Holy Spirit, that these lies that have been told about you and to you are null and void. Because the devil didn't make you, and he doesn't get to say who you are. Let me tell you who the Word of God says you are. Close your eyes if you like and just listen. It's quiet now. Because the false witnesses and the killing lies fall silent before the judgment seat of the living God. We're in the presence of the Most High. This is His house. And only His Word gets to speak here. So hear the truth that gives life. You are made in the image of God born of God's breath, to be a vessel of divine love. You were fashioned after His likeness to be a dwelling of God with capacity for the infinite, eternally known and chosen of God, home of the divine majesty, abiding in the Son, called from eternity to life in the Lord Jesus and a temple of the Holy Spirit, be a branch of the Messiah, the Christ, a receptacle of the Most High and a wellspring of living water by grace, an heir of the kingdom, the living glory of God and the abode of the Trinity. God sings this litany eternally in His Word. This is who you are. This is the truth that gives life. You are sinners saved by grace through faith in Christ. You are a new creation. The old has passed away, and only the newness of the Lord is here. Your worth is not in anything you will ever do or say or be. Your worth was set by the price God was decided to pay for you, which is the blood of His Son on the cross. So never devalue yourself again. Do not believe the false witnesses and never devalue your neighbor. Never devalue that person at the office, that person on the street, that person shaking the Timmy's cup between two lanes of traffic. But build up everyone with the truth of who they truly are. Because you walk this world shoulder to shoulder with treasures of infinite worth. shine. I wish you could see how you shine in the love of God.